You've tuned in to the Roundtable Podcast, episode 39. Hello, lords and ladies. I'm Brian Humphrey. And I'm Dave Robison. And you're listening to the Roundtable Podcast. Each week on the Roundtable Podcast, Brian and I invite writers to come onto the show and pitch a story idea to us and our esteemed guest host. And then we dig into it, talking about what works and what doesn't, slice through it with our Roundtable swords, and try to carve (laughs) away some semblance of a fabulous, fabulous story that uh, we both like to call... Literary Gold. gold. We still are not in sync, dude. That is so not happening. (laughs) And I I think we're supposed to practice it. Oh, yeah, right. I don't don't think we'll ever get to that. No, that ain't going to happen. I'll fix it in post. And and yes, I am still without my teeth, so uh, uh, bear with us, folks, as Sylvester Robison takes over on the show. But Brian, you just got some yeah. very freaking cool news. Your your I ascent did. to to dark well, not dark overlord because that position's taken. Uh, uh, but dark <laughs> one insured in charge of all is is one step closer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just found out at at work, you know, I teach uh, English and teach creative writing, but that's not not my first love. Um, My degree is in theater directing, and um, the theater teacher is moving, and so I'll be taking over the theater department at the high school that I work at, and I'll be able to teach theater and uh, mount, you know, two to three productions a year and be totally in charge of the whole thing, and it's very, 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 very cool. That's awesome. Congratulations, dude. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. And and is it is it fourth grade of me because we have an erotica author on the show that when you say mount a show, I, <laughs> I, I start getting all of these images that we don't know. Let's not go there. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, dear friends, uh, we, will, we will caution you once again, uh, just in case this is highly likely not going to be a workplace safe or child safe episode um, because we have with us once again in the studio preparing to sit in the big chair uh, uh, the overlord of Circlet Press uh, erotica authoress uh, and not just erotica authors, science fiction, baseball, literary fiction, a whole raft of works, uh, activist, uh, uh, purveyor of awesomeness in all ways. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the big chair uh, Cecilia Tan. Cecilia, thank you so much for coming back and joining us to help us workshop a story. We appreciate it. You are very welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. Now, Cecilia, I, I can only assume with with so much creative mojo burning <laughs> uh, uh, in, your, in, your, in your brain, there must be something that's coming up uh, that your fans need to know about. So share with us, if you would... You got any books coming out? What's coming up in Cecilia's uh, it, life? Yes, there's always something going on. But um, the, actually, the kind of cool thing that just happened this week, and um, and Nobilis will be interested in this, is that um, a couple more of my audio books just released. So uh, Nobilis and I worked on a book called The Velderet, um, and now uh, Audible.com actually just came out with uh, Darren's Guitar Chronicles, which is my... Um, my web serial, yeah, my epic web serial about a uh, gay guitar player in the 1980s. Oh. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> wow. <laughs> The, the book just, that could you know, not be published because it was so big, right? It was the it was the book that could not be published because I I I just I kept writing and writing and writing and I'm like when do this, when is this supposed to end? I don't understand. This is the first this is the book that I wrote without an outline and this is why, mm. uh, you know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just 
you know, I started it. I started it when I was a teenager, and then then threw out those drafts, and then started it again when I was in graduate school, getting my master's in writing, and you know, and it just grew and grew and grew, and then uh, you know, so it's um, three. The volumes one, two, and three all came out in audiobook this week, so that's kind of cool. And then um, the next thing on my plate that I have to turn in, actually, I'm in the middle of the rewrites of an erotic romance novel called Slow Surrender. Which is, uh, for lack of a better word, sort of my my version of Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, oh, so, so the real story. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's like <laughs> a, a a BDSM erotic romance with a you know alt- unbelievably rich uh, you know dominant man, but this one is like. Um, basically, if you make the list of complaints people have about Fifty Shades of Grey, that you know the 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 main character is too much of a doormat or that, you know, the BDSM, they kind of do it all in the beginning and then they kind of leave it behind. Like, why doesn't the kinky stuff continue? You know, this, that, the other, all those things. None of, no, people will not have those complaints about my book. <laughs> you fixed that. <laughs> Put it that way. So, you know, it, 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 what it really is is that thanks to Fifty Shades of Grey, all the publishers who for 20 years have been telling my agent, oh, no, 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 Cecilia Tan is too kinky for us. All of a sudden, we're like, why do we not have a manuscript from her on our desk? <laughs> so, oh, you know, sweet so, revenge. That's marvelous. Uh, yeah. All of a sudden, my, you know, my moment has arrived or something. So um, or maybe. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> so <laughs> when will Slow can... Surrender see the, books, the bookshelves? Yeah, so uh, let's see. I think they're going to release in digital first because it's faster. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> Good point. Um, uh, so I think if I turn my rewrites in on time, then uh, you will be seeing the uh, the digital book out by Christmas, and then the print book in the spring after they've had the sales reps have had a chance to go around and whatever. It's um it's Grand Central Publishing, which is you know what was formerly Warner Books and Time Warner Books and AOL Time Warner, and uh, they've changed their name several times, but it's part of Hachette, which is you know one of the one of the big six humongous publishers so i'm uh, i'm kind of excited um congratulations that's <laughs> you know, awesome but, very cool you know yeah. but yeah but i am staring down the barrel of the rewrites going oh my god you know it's like <laughs> i'm at that stage where have you ever decided to rebuild a car no you know like the engine of no. a car and <laughs> but that's a good <laughs> or metaphor had a friend who did it and, you know they get to that point where the entire garage is filled with car parts <laughs> and you look at the empty engine case and you think how the hell is it all going to go back in there that's the stage i'm at this roof with this rewrite where i've kind of taken it all apart now and i'm like you know it's all going to fit <laughs> you <laughs> so know it, it all came time it was all you know it was in all there. together so, it'll fit back again exactly <laughs> i just have to trust and keep going and keep going you know so but yeah that's that's the stage i'm at in this rewrite <laughs> so excellent you know, rewrite rewriting is a skill separate from writing <laughs> that it needs to be developed <laughs> oh my goodness and and we've heard that many times here yeah, on the round table yeah. so audiobooks out sw- uh, slow surrender in the rewrite stage anything else Oh God! There's a billion things going on. I'm I'm editing the baseball prospectus for the coming spring right now. Uh, you know, yeah. There's always a ton of things going on, but um, but yeah, those 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 are the two new things this week that are really dominating my uh, my consciousness. <laughs> that, that's awesome. That that you know, it's a week by week thing with you. You you must be incredibly busy. Do you do conventions, Cecilia? At all? I do, do you do I appearances? Do. I've I've only got um. One convention left on the schedule this year. I'm going to the World Fantasy Convention in Toronto. Um, but uh, I think by the time the show airs, maybe that will have happened already. Yeah, that's I think so. And that's that's mid-November, right? The, 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 next big, the next big one after that, I, I take the Christmas season off, you know, and then um, Aresia is the next big one here in Boston, actually, in mid-January. It's on the Martin Luther King weekend, so it's like a four-day 
extravaganza of sort of science fiction, fantasy, and, and sort of alternative culture all rolled into one big ball of wax. So That's awesome. Excellent. Yeah, that was really fun. Well, we will make sure that all of that gets into the liner notes so that everyone can follow the awesomeness that is Cecilia Tan, at least over the next couple of weeks anyway, uh, <laughs> until new stuff comes out. Um, guys, what I'd like to do right now is actually pause for a moment uh, uh, and give some, some precious airtime to a, another awesome podcast or fabulous ebook or, or Kickstarter program because we've been doing that recently too. Um, right. And when we come back, uh, we're going to workshop an awesome story. Sound good? Absolutely. Excellent. Then let's go ahead and do that. Friends, don't you go away. We'll be right back. Rashim the hunter killed the beast. The keepers kept the legend alive. The Macedonians uncovered the ancient book. And now, in the Library of Alexandria, the greatest storehouse of human knowledge, one scribe discovers the truth about the god Garaga. This is not a legend. Scrolls, Volume 4 in Paul Ellard Cooley's Garaga's Children's Saga, ties together the previous tales in a fiery conclusion. Now available as an ebook from all major retailers, a full-length audiobook, and as a free serialized patio book from shadowpublications.com. We don't believe in happy endings. Welcome back, lords and ladies of the roundtable. And uh, before we get started, we want to wish everyone a very happy Thanksgiving, Black Friday, and tryptophan-induced coma. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yes. May your may your bellies be full. Your 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 closet where you're hiding your Christmas presents equally full, and and uh, your nap uh, complete. Absolutely. Well done, yeah. sir. And the uh, the matchup that we have today is is pretty stellar. It's perfect. Um, it's per yeah. it's beyond awesome. Um, our guest writer is no stranger to either the ways of publishing fiction or the sultry jungles of erotica. Uh, he's written novels, novellas, and short stories available in print, ebook, and audiobook formats. His first novel, Scouts. Uh, was nominated for the Epic Authors Award. He can be heard on the weekly Nobilis Erotica podcast and on the Good Parts podcast about writing and publishing uh, erotic fiction. Uh, you can find a wealth of his fiction and so much more uh, in text and audio form at his website, nobiliserotica.com. And, Brian, he is the first guest writer who has also been a guest host on the round table fabulous all the way back in episode 14 if you don't believe me check it out because that was a very cool episode too yes, uh, now we get to submit him to the torture that <laughs> that's right. so many absolutely before. ladies and gentlemen welcome to the writer's chair at the round table nobilis reed nobilis thank you sir for stepping up and offering a story to the round table man we appreciate it you are quite welcome Ah, so so how does it feel to be on the other side of the chair? What 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 led you to to make this shift to go from guest well, host to guest writer? See, the thing is I've been a writer long enough to know that you know, the, the act of being a writer and especially when you're submitting to editors and and you know, beta readers and all these other people like this, you really have to know how to take punishment. There's a certain uh <laughs> there's a certain uh pleasure in um, uh, in submitting yourself to that uh, paradigm. <laughs> There's a certain BDSM um, quality to, here. You have to say here on the Roundtable podcast, some time ago, uh, learn to love the whip. Now, I haven't actually 
heard that lately, and I'm wondering if you guys have kind of forgotten that. Have, have we, have, do we lack commitment to the whip? Uh, <laughs> yes. That's, that's, a, that's a valid question. I am, I, am, I am switching the whip around to the other side now and willing to f un endure the lash in order to improve this story. Uh, and you are, we respect you for it, sir, very much so. And, and you have brought a story, so let's get into that. Um, Nobilis, we're going to give you five to eight minutes. Uh, give us the, the genre, um, the title, uh, the format. Is it going to be a short story, novella, novel, series, whatever? Um, introduce us to the characters, the world. Uh, give us some, some key story elements. Uh, uh, give, us, give us something to work with, bud. The mic is all yours. All right. Uh, the working title of this, uh, this story is Free Spire Nights. Uh, Free Spire Nights is an erotic film noir story in a steampunk fantasy setting. Um, this is a fantasy setting where the magic has slipped, mostly slipped away and left behind uh, steampunk technology in its wake. Three stories from this universe have already run in my podcast. These are Bad Night in Shade Town, There is a Bomb in Basking Town, and Clank Town Shakedown. Um, and rather than go through the plots of those, I'll just let, give you the facts that have been established in those stories that are important to the story I'm actually going to pitch. So, um, Drella is a half-breed dark elf working as a private investigator in the city of Free Spire. She ends the first story with a magic sword, one of the last such, that was owned by her father, a human king. The sword is powerful enough to win wars, inspiring people to fight without fear. Uh, her mother is queen of the Dark Elves and is involved in a power struggle with Nalathne, Drella's half-sister. And Drella is in Free Spire as a self-imposed exile. Uh, in the second story, we meet Helkina Vorish, who is a uh, uh, likewise exiled dark elf criminal mastermind in, in Free Spire uh, who controls an addictive aphrodisiac gas um, which Drella of course is exposed to in the course of the story. Uh, Drella is romantically involved on and off with a, a human man named Clevis who is the major domo at a wealthy estate in Free Spire. And then in Clankdown Shakedown, uh, we meet Mathic Prustain, who is an ambitious young human who wants to be a private eye like Drella. Uh, Drella is getting a reputation in spite of her determination to remain private, and she works in the shadows. Um, but Mathic, and Mathic is something of a fanboy. And Mathic is a prodigy at oral sex. <laughs> um, so that's the, those are the facts that are established in the stories that I have already put out there. Now, the thing is that those are not written in stone because they've only been podcasted. They haven't been put into any other form aside from audio. So if I were to make a new version in print, I would be okay. Cool. So those are the, those are the, that's the foundation I'm going on. The elements from that that I wanted to include in this story to kind of draw it all together was the sword, how kind of Vorish, Clevis, Mathic, her reputation and her and the political machination of her mother and her si her half sister. Um, the theme I want to hit is that no matter what you tell yourself, your virtues are. When it comes down to it, only one of them is more important than the others. And at the beginning of the story, uh, Mathic is dead, and Drella is getting drunk because she thinks it's her fault. Uh, Clevis finds her in a trashy bar and gets the story from her where we start a, uh, an extended flashback. Um, 
Mathic had come to her asking to learn to be a private agent, and because he's so good with his tongue, he she decides to okay, okay, we'll give him a shot, <laughs> and um and she and she's working on a missing persons case, and she's looking for this uh, young young dwarf maid, and uh, in the course of that, she discovers a slaving operation that Helkina Vorish is running, um, that using the addictive aphrodisiac gas. In the course of the investigation, Mathic Crusade is killed, Drella brains herself for it, and goes drinking. Uh, that's the end of the flashback. Uh, with Clevis's help, Drella scrapes up her pride and vows to bring down Vorish's operation. Uh, when they go to try to do that, Vorish, instead, Vorish captures them and loads them onto an airship. On the airship, uh, Vorish separates Clevis and Drella, uh, and then explains... Uh, to Drella, how the slaving operation is going to restore the Dark Elf way of life, which had fallen apart because the magic went away. Um, and and, and Vorish also says that Drella, who's the only person who can wield the magic sword, is going to lead the new victorious army that's going to uh, march over the world to, uh, to restore the, this, uh, this grand empire. When Drella returns to her room on the airship, Clevis is there, maddened with lust. He's been given the gas. Drella realizes that she loves Clevis, Boris knows she loves Clevis, and that he is now a hostage to Drella's uh, participation in the plan. Uh, they arrive at a mountain fortress, disembark, and begin descending into the underworld. When they reach the Dark Elf City, they find that the queen has been overthrown by Nalathne, Drella's half-sister. And the entire and the remains of the Dark Elf kingdom is embroiled in a civil war. Uh, Voris sees how the winds have changed and switches alliance. She can do her plan for Nalathne just as easily as the queen. So after getting information from Vorish, Nalathne says, that sounds like a great idea. Sends Drella down to be with her mother, telling her to convince the queen to abdicate in favor of Nalathne and end the civil war. The queen is half mad from torture, starvation, and drugs, but cannot die because of the magic she wields. Again, a little bit of the magic left behind held by the queen. Clevis is imprisoned elsewhere. Uh, Drella loses sight of it. Drella learns that the magic of the Blood Queen keeps her alive. She is immortal, but prevents her from leaving the palace. And the queen can abdicate in favor of either Nalathne or Drella. If she abdicates in favor of Drella, then she'll never be able to straighten things out. Um, she's going to be stuck in the palace. And Nalathne will probably do the same thing to her that she's been doing to her mother. If the queen abdicates in favor of Nalathne, then Nalathne will be immortal and will probably never be completely defeated. Um, and at that point, I'm like, okay, now what? <laughs> and now, Perfect. Uh, because, you know, I've been told the best thing to do is to chase your character up a tree, put them in the, most, the worst possible situation you can, and then find out a way to get out of it. Only I... I think I've written myself into a corner here. <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. And in the past, I've had a great deal of trouble with endings. Usually the first ending I write has to be thrown away. And I'm trying to kind of short-circuit that and get a really good ending before I start writing. Excellent. For once. Anything else that you're hoping to get out of this discussion? Um, Besides an awesome ending? The awesome ending is like the first thing on my list. Uh, if there's other things that uh, are way to, ways to improve this in other ways, I'm open to suggestions. Okay. But really, the first thing I want is the ending. Fabulous. 
That was excellent. Well done, sir. I think there's I think there's food on the table for us to to devour and <laughs> and eat. Yes, excellent. Um, but before we do, uh, uh, Brian, would you be so kind as to cover our ass, please? <laughs> I would be happy. To. Isn't the point of this to uncover our ass? <laughs> well, we'll get there eventually. But first, oh boy. Okay, yeah. So uh, in the course of the debauchery that's about to uh, to happen. Um, you will hear a lot of uh, a lot of things from both myself and from Dave and from Cecilia. And as you are the writer, um, you are more than welcome to take everything that I have to say, and then everything that they have to say discount is complete and total bullshit. <laughs> oh wait, I got that wrong. Yes, no, no, no. you so did absolutely. Can you fix that, please? Yeah, anybody. Canon, canon will be uh, considered complete and total bullshit, and so it's up to you to choose what what you think will help you and what won't. Are you cool with that, Nobilis? I am just cool with that. Good. Yeah. Nice try, Bri. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So it is our custom here at the Roundtable to defer always to our guest host uh, for opening comments and questions. So, Cecilia, um, what are your first impressions of Nobilis' story idea? Um, Any questions of clarification you have, uh, uh, points you'd like to raise? Um, First impressions. Get us started. All right. So my first uh, impression is that what you've got is a fabulous postmodern pulpy stew that's got a lot of elements going in it with between film noir, erotica, steampunk, um, and a sort of high fantasy element with the sort of, you know, issues of royal lineage and, you know, el- dark elves, etc. Um, so it's like there's a lot of moving parts. Um, this is good because it's 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 rich in that it's it gives us a lot to work with and and your answers are going to be in there. I don't think it's possible that you've left something out, you know. Um, and if you run out of steam, it won't be because of that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, the uh, my other thing, I mean, you're talking about the ending. Um, it, my usual sort of my usual advice about a really good ending requires a really good beginning and you have that you've you've set up all the dominoes you know you've set up a lot of dominoes in fact you set up so many that now you're going oh my god how am i going to get it all to line up but trust me i think once you start knocking them down i think i once we figure out what order to knock them down and it, it is going to end up making sense in the end but but you're going to have to answer some questions as we go along to figure out which dominoes to knock down when um, that's really what it's going to come down to. I like it. So I like it. Excellent. Yeah. Good start. Good Definitely. points. Good points. Brian, first thoughts. Oh, good Lord. Oh, I'm still trying to figure out who's who. Um, <laughs> I, I love the names, but like, as I'm writing one down, we're on to the third one and, and so <laughs> I, I'm a little behind <laughs> in that sense. Want me to go through them again? You know, y- the, yeah. Like who's the half sister? Drella is the main character. Her okay. mother is the unnamed queen. I haven't given her a name. Her mother's okay. the queen. Nalathni is her half sister. Mm-hmm. Okay. Vorish is the crime lord in the city of Freespire. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mathic is her apprentice fanboy. <laughs> fanboy. And Clevis is her true love. Okay. Got it. Um, okay, so a couple of questions that I have because I I love it and I'm I'm totally sucked in and you know it's I think it's really awesome. But um, what happens if the queen is forcibly removed from the palace? Ooh, good question. Um, I have because her magic I keeps her alive, but that. she can't leave the palace. Uh, she 
the way I have it imagined, she she actually physically cannot be removed from it. You can't carry okay. her out. You can't throw her out. Um, it it just it, it whether it's you know a, a magical force prevents it or mm-hmm. chance or whatever. I haven't written the the part mm-hmm. where that happens or even how. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that the magic is bound to the palace. Right. What what made me think of that was. The first thought that I had is if she leaves the palace, then the magic leaves her. And so if she's having to make this decision, but somebody makes it for her and forces her. Maybe the Blood Queen believes that she can't. But right. what's really true is that if, if she does, then the, you know, the immortality magic will be over and she'll die. Well, maybe right. if. Right. Which could play le- into the. Maybe if she yeah, leaves the palace, the magic goes away. And the the magic right. of the drow is lost forever, or the dark elves yeah. is lost forever. High mm-hmm. stakes. Yeah. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I have not, I have not, I am not married to any of those mm-hmm. options. Okay. All right. That, well, that opens a door for for well, so, you know possible way yeah. to to. Go ahead, Cecilia. I I want to talk a little bit about genre since this is sort of a multi-genre work, um, and there are. A, each genre sort of has its needs, and we kind of have to prioritize which which needs they are. If the, the, there is, I mean, she's the daughter of a you know king and queen uh, pairing, and she's got a magic sword. She is on a heroic journey. Um, yeah, so, that's not what I'm doing. <laughs> right. So, so this is the thing, though, is that there's a sort of narrative imperative to having her be the progeny of. You know the sort of royal figures um, carrying this magic sword. You know, like so. And what's interesting is that the film noir thing is sort of how you subvert that. That the you know the yeah. film film noir hero or the you know the Raymond Chandler antihero. You know, is sort of uh, has a past you never quite know about. You know, this that the other, and has remade himself into this. You know, as as a private detective who is digging about in other people's dirt. To, mostly to avoid thinking about his own, right? And that's um, really what I was going after with you know, Drella. Was. Right, yeah. The question is, can you keep that up? Because if you do, then the story isn't really about her. It's about the mystery she's trying to solve. But it sounds like you've already gone pretty far from the mystery she was trying to solve, where she's been, yeah. she's been well sucked into you know, having to play a heroic role. I mean, you've you've already said she she's she's vowed to bring down Vorish's slave ring. So yeah. it's like that yeah, that, that moment of... she goes from being uninvolved private detective, self-imposed exile to I take up the sword. Um, yeah, even if she's not actually taking up the sword right. at that point. And in fact, actually, at that moment, if the if the sword is part of that inspiration, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Even if she doesn't actually take it down from the wall at that point. Right. If it's if it's if its presence there is important, that would be a good kind of symbolic mark. So you know, so in that sense, I mean, as a hero's journey, uh, good has to defeat evil in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of like it, if it's going to satisfy the needs of high fantasy, good has to defeat evil. Right. Uh, you know, if it's noir, it has to be at a very high price. Right. If it's right. more, it has to be at a high price. Exactly. Where, um, you know. Uh, yeah. Either yeah. Clevis or Drella ain't going to make it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. On the other hand, that, so that was my other question: is that Cleavus is a love interest, but is it a romance? You know, if it's a romance, then he has to live, and they have to be together at the end. 
If it's not, if we're if we're not going to have romance be one of the things we're going to satisfy, we can cross that out. Then 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 he's up for grabs. <laughs> yes. There is, well, however, I, an erotic yeah. drive here. You you the very first word you used when you said you said erotic film noir in a steampunk magic setting is the erotic drive. I want to know about is then you know what what keeps us turning the pages erotically, or is it just that there is a sexual subtext here that is going to be used because of the aphrodisiac gas, you know? So if there's an, an erotic thread, that needs to be sort of constantly escalating, you know, to a, I mean, to a climax. <laughs> <Ba -dum -ba>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, uh, okay. That's another piece of it. And then there's this sort of technology versus magic, you know, idea, which is uh, steampunk still being a young genre, sort of what the bones are underneath that are still being exposed a little bit. We're still figuring out what is, what is steampunk, but I think a lot of it is about the loss of magic um, and sort of the replacement of the, the pastoral with the technological, you know. The so, industrial, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of a, you know, these are macroeconomic, if you will, to the story. You know, sort of right. the sort of arcs right. that hang over everything, and we have to kind of you have to kind of decide because these are all going to point to your ending. Um, and the thing is, you might be much much closer to the ending than you think you are. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I I fully admit that this this may be you know <laughs> five thousand words from the end here. I, I have uh, I don't mind, I don't need need it to go on any longer than it needs to. Well, let me let me ask you a couple questions, Nobelis, just for my own clarification. Um, Malathne is Drella's half-sister. Right. And Drella is half-dark-elf from a human father. Who's right. Malathne's father? Um, and why did Drella's father die? Or why is he not in the picture? Drella's father died of old age in, uh, in the Queen's dungeons. Um, he mm. tried to invade her realm and failed. Well, but, but, That's but, wait, wait, but, but she's her father. He's, he's her father. Didn't the Queen... Well, yeah. The queen had her fun with him, ah. and then threw him in the dungeon and let him and let him rot. Oh, so she's a bastard half oh. dark elf. Yes. Oh, yes. okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, oh, and, and the only Drella, reason she, and the only reason she's important is because of her bloodline to her father, which lets her wield this this sword. Right. If it wasn't for the fact that she could wield the sword, nobody would care about her. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Who's Melanthe's father? Um, I have not. I have not said anything about him uh, uh the the drow culture the, the the dark culture is um matriarchal and who your father is doesn't matter unless it's unless it's a bloodline that gives mm -hmm. you access to magic <laughs> is she is she full blood dark elf she is nilathli is full blood okay very cool mm -hmm. tell me about the sword uh basically the sword is uh the the big thing about the sword is that the, the if the wielder is of this royal line then people who are fighting on his or her side will not um will not break they will not mm. uh they will not retreat unless they're told to they will not flee um and uh and that is a massive advantage in battle Sure. Um, mm -hmm. It's not terribly wonderful at, at one to one, <laughs> as as the king found <laughs> out when he fell. But it is mm -hmm. uh, it is massively important in a in a larger battle. And uh, right. is there any documentation that supports those mythical powers? Um, in one of the earlier stories, um, uh, Drella has uh, felt it, knows that it is true. It exists. Um, she actually has held the sword. In the past, did she um, wield it and and manifested those powers, or did she just feel the power in the sword? 
Uh, she just she felt it, but but um, has no reason to doubt that it's true. Gotcha. Okay. Um, next question then is. Uh, um, <sighs> One thing that that jarred me in the telling of the story is that we've got this whole thing happening in Free Spire and everybody's doing their thing and it's steampunky and it's and it's Oliver Twist and it's dark and it's grim. And then suddenly we're in a civil war that nobody knows about. How how isolated is the Dark Elf Empire that uh, a, a usurpation and a civil war would not be the in, the incredible talk of the town back in Free Spire? Um, the Dark Elf Empire, the remain, the, what remains of it now, is um, a bit like um, Abyssinia. Um, it, you know, in, in ages past, it was a gigantic empire. Nowadays, it's almost nothing. Okay. Um, so if, if, you know, if a leader topples in Abyssinia today, it doesn't even make page three. Right. Okay, because it happened a long time ago. At least by human standard, um, and and it's distant and um, really. It, so nobody know, cares. Nobody nobody cares except the few dark elves who remain. Okay, that that concerns me just in terms of reader investment and. Uh, uh, I mean, if ultimately, if the outcome of this thing doesn't matter in the larger story, now granted, yes, this is Drella's story, and we're telling a very close personal story, but if Drella's outcome doesn't have a, 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 a significant event, again, we're talking epic fantasy here, um, I'm wondering if maybe we want to just take a look at that and maybe find a, a larger... Uh, impact on the world in the outcome of what's going on here. I'm just I'm putting that on the table as a consideration. I have some ideas, but I want to turn the mic back to Cecilia. Cecilia, what what are you thinking at this point? What can we do to to amp this bad boy up? Well, one thing I'm thinking is actually what um what voice are you telling it in? What point of view is it, and what sort of narrative stance are you taking? Ooh, good question. This uh, this has been first person so far. Um, yeah, but is it first person sort of real time first person or is it reminiscent? You know something I haven't looked at the actual text of stories in a long time, but I, I, I remember them as being um, reminiscent. And that would be a very film noir in which you, you know yeah. that your main character is going to live because he's telling it from a point in the future where he's like, right. "This is about that time that yeah. everything changed," yeah. you know, and. I mean, obviously, we don't have a, a sample sort of to look at here, but uh, but one thing that I think if you amp up the reminiscence in the voice, mm -hmm. sometimes you, the answers will be in there of sort of where mm. it goes next or, you know, whatnot. So it's, it's not just what is the story that Drella is telling about what happened to her, but why. What yeah. are the things that she's including in what she bothers to tell you? She's got reasons, you know. And, um, and, and how she feels about it. Right. Right, exactly. And the great thing about that, I love the reminiscent narrator. I think it's not used enough anymore. Um, yeah, we we yeah, so yeah. much in, 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 you know, in, in MFA programs and, you know, writing programs and whatever, they, they want you to, to write this more, you know, sort of traditional, just past-present narrator where it's like, okay, it's going to be in the past tense, but it's as if it's happening now, you know, real-time yeah. past tense. And um, I love the reminiscent narrator because the reminiscent narrator suddenly can tell you, can just come right out and tell you stuff. I know the whole thing is, you know, oh, show, don't tell. No, 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 no. Yeah. Tell. 
but you've got to figure out what yeah. to tell and why. The first three stories that, that I podcasted were very, very much reminiscent narrator. Mm. Right, maybe they, that, they, that they were episodic later. then, too, because they were yeah. sort of episodes of her life, right? Right, right. Because then you can throw in that that sort of nuanced hint of if only, and this is over dramatic, but if only I had known what I know now, I would have never trusted that bastard or whatever. (laughs) Right. right. But only better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So the the thing is, you've got the sort of episodes. This is the other disconnection I see is that you've got the other episodes, but now it's like you're kind of trying to tell an overarching, you know, novelesque epic story, and it's sort of. Do you just count all of the previous episodes sort of in that extended flashback as well, what I was thinking material, actually. and this has its own shape, or is really, is this going to just continue on? You know, it seems like this can't just continue on in episodic fashion. It really needs to have, mm-hmm. you know, rising and falling action. Yeah, well, well, I'm thinking actually that, um, that if I were to split this in half mm-hmm. and start with the flashback and Mathic's death, as its own episode, and then the story after that as a capper of it, that it might end up being just two long short stories between the two of them. Hmm. Um, that could or, work. Or a short story sure. for, for Mathic's death and then a novella length for, for this one. Um, and it would not be out of character with the other stories that I've put together. Brian, ask your question, yeah. and I know the question you're going to ask, so go ahead and ask it. Oh, I don't know, because it's not about the antagonist. <laughs> Why not? We need it. Because <laughs> there's nothing there's here about the, the antagonist. Is, is, we I, got nothing on him. I know, I know. But there's something oh that God. really intrigues me about the, about the protagonist. <laughs> and, um, and so I just wanted to ask about this. And I, you may have already touched on this, but like I said, I'm, you know, I'm still catching up. Um, what is the reason for Drella being half Dark Elf? And the reason that I ask that is that... Um, it, is there a reason? You know, like, is you it that she struggles with her human than, side? And uh, you mean the ahead. literary reason? Her role in the city is um, one who kind of straddles the line between respectable and shadow world. Mm-hmm. Um, right. there has, and there has to be somebody who can be that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She can. She can go and roust about in a goblin tavern, you know, beating the snot out of the little buggers to try to find information about something. Or then turn around and show up at a you know a high society function, and okay maybe she's going to be a little too crass for them, but at least she'll look like she belongs there, um, and and so she can she can operate in these different worlds within the city that need to be able to communicate with each other, and that right. a lot of her a lot of her kind of day to day work has to do with you know negotiations between people who come from different mm, parts mm-hmm. of the city and um, and the reason that I made her half dark elf is to kind of be a symbol of her half and half nature between mm-hmm. the lit part of the city and the shadowed part of the city right mm. and the the mm-hmm. reason that I bring that up and that's uh, I this is one of those throw it out if it totally doesn't mm-hmm. work for you but I, I would right. love to see and and I think Dave hates these kind of chosen one things but I would love <laughs> to see that her father's blood in some way does something for her at the end. Like maybe because she is half human, um, the, the sword doesn't have as much control over her. She balances it out or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that it's something okay. that she doesn't discover until she needs it. 
and then realizes that that this is why she has the sword is because you know her dark elf side it you know it keeps you fighting and all of that but that she can actually manipulate it a little more than a full blood elf would be able to you know and not necessarily that one specific thing but maybe something along those lines that this whole time you've been using it for this other thing where she's be, sort of able to infiltrate the two sides of society which is fabulous but then it has an even deeper you know, thing that, that helps her in the end. Right. The fact that she isn't full blood. I like that. Maybe what it is is that the magic of the sword and the magic of the palace, just to put it, you know, her father's magic and her mother's magic, sure. um, can be, can basically, you know, if they are the last two bits of magic <laughs> left in the world, maybe at the end they cancel each other out. Well, I, I actually, the left world or they combine... Well, I had an idea about the sword. Because um, I, love, I love myths being proven wrong, uh, but not completely. Um, right. What if, what if the power of the sword is not that it commands uh, uh, armies, armies to, to be brave, but rather when the sword is brought into battle, the losing side will suffer dire consequences their souls will be sucked into the sword or whatever so that anybody that's in the mm. fight with that sword that knows that sword's power they are so freaking motivated to fight and fight like a demon because if you lose you lose your soul mm. and maybe Novorish knows about the true power of the sword and is manipulating it to, and is trying to position and manipulate Drella into a position to wield that so hmm. that the souls, uh, you know, and maybe, you know, soul magic is the, is the heart of the dark elf magic. Uh, uh, maybe that, that sort of dark, sinister, uh, not necromantic, but, you know, demonic, you know, I'm not sure if you've explored the essence of dark elf magic, uh, but it could be a dark elf sword. What were you going to say? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Uh yeah. I want to talk about the antagonist, actually, because that was one of the, the one of the few things that I wrote down about him was it, the the key to me to his character. You said Nobilis is that he thinks he's going to reestablish the dark elf way of life through this slave ring, you know. And and all the best villains don't think of themselves as villains; they think of themselves as heroes. Right. That's uh, kind of worse. Is is female? Um, she uh, mm -hmm. she does. She she has put together this plan to try to buy back her status in mm -hmm. dark elf society, mm -hmm. and and has said, hey, look, I've got this way where you can raise armies, you can be in charge again, you can have your slaves, you don't need the magic that you had before to control the right. slaves. Now you've got mm -hmm. this, and we can be an empire again. There's a lot there that I think, you know, needs to be engaged. And the reason Drell is the person to engage that is because she's the one who's taken herself out of the picture. She's moved off to Free Spire, you know, living the life of a private investigator, you know, mm -hmm. a, a, a faceless character who's in other people's business, but not really, you know, do, dealing with her own. Um, but the plot you have set up plops her right back down in the middle of the Dark Elf culture. And this is, a, um, this is a, 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 an identity crisis for her, you know. And she has to face the sort of identity crisis of having, having half-blood, you know, and so forth. And part of her way of dealing with it was trying to go off and make herself into something that was sort of her own. It, there's a way in which the antagonist really is sort of her other half, 
you know, more so than her right. half-sister, I think. Yes, the villainess yes. is the one who is really like, no, no, this is how you should be. You know, like, you could right. be the most powerful mm-hmm. of us, and, you know, so forth and so on. And so, it, it, in the end, it comes down to sort of a, you know, whose family yeah, values yeah. do you, <laughs> you know, value and so forth. And if we're looking at this as a, as a steampunk being sort of the modernization and, you know, the liberalization that comes with modernization, can she be a strong, you know, is the message she can be a strong, independent woman in the end who isn't a slave to her desires, a slave to her lineage, a slave to her cultural expectations, you know, so forth and so on. Is that sort of the, the, the driving narrative that's going to come out of this? Because this is, this is what's going to determine sort of your ending yeah, and whether I mean, the ending is satisfying or not. The well, other I mean, question is, I feel like the one character out of all this who so far, maybe just because we haven't talked to him, seems to me like he doesn't have a lot going for him is Clevis. I have an idea for yep. Clevis, but go ahead. Mm. <clears throat> oh boy. Yeah, I want to hear more about him. Right now, right now he's just a little, he's a little white bread and soft in my imagination because we haven't heard much about him. <laughs> I, I, haven't, so. I, haven't, I haven't built much about him. I love, mm. I love the idea of Vorish being the, the, the dark mirror to Drella. To, to yeah, that, that's, yeah. That's that's very cool, and making her that 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 quintessential dark elf female, um, mm-hmm. and, and really, I mean, this can this story can ultimately be about what does it mean to be a dark elf? I mean, in any cosmology, in any ecology, every mm-hmm. species has a purpose. It fills a niche of some kind. And this could be a real, very cool exploration of what the culture does in the larger picture of things and also what it does spiritually and emotionally as well. Um, so that's very cool. Um, one thing I wanted to interject here, um, the flashback at the beginning, Nobilis, I know that's a, no, mm-hmm. uh, 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 a noir trope, um, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering if her investigation i mean start off with her if 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 you start off with her witnessing mathic's obscure death a fall from a building into a a fall from an edge into a burning building no way he survived um and a charred body removed oh it's horrible it's mathic um and then Get, let us go through her grieving process. Let Clevis come in and and you know s- soothe her uh, erotically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, let her take the agency and say, "I'm going to find out what the hell was he doing," and fa- backtrail his oh. his case okay. that he was working on. Because what you can do mm-hmm. at that point then is uh, okay. is weave in so, more of yeah. the Civil War news that might be dribbling in, or a message from her queen mother mm-hmm. saying, "Come home, I have need of you." And no, mother, I, I despise you. You're a witch, or whatever. And well, the, actually, yeah, that that message ha- that message already happened in the first story. Okay, then a second mm-hmm. message or a message from Melanthe saying, "Oh, mm-hmm. sweet sister, won't you come home? Uh, I, I have things to discuss." Because she's trying to, you know, whatever. Um, you can weave right. in and set the stage for Act Two, while you're taking uh, the reader through this very cool detective noir thing with sex and dark elves and female dominance and and all the other cool stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. Now, so change the change the um, change the the flashback um, to a to a back trail. Yeah, exactly. To real time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and use that yeah. for some world building of free spire yeah. and the political strife, uh, you know the, the the clues that will say, oh, that's what that was later on in the story. Now, okay. one of the things that is a hallmark of noir is betrayal. 
Yes. What mm-hmm. would be yeah. the most heinous betrayal? Which character would be the most heinous betrayer of them all that you've laid out, Nobilis? I was going to say Clevis. Yes. Clevis is the true mastermind behind all of this. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very painful noise. Right there. That was a very painful noise. But, oh, my God. Now, now the reason this works mm-hmm. so beautifully, first of all, you get that wonderful usual suspects thing at the end where all of the clues mm-hmm. were there, but only in the end can you put them all together. And it's like, oh, my God, it was mm-hmm. there in front of me. Plus, uh-huh. at the end... Drella's got to win. Mm-hmm. Drella has to be right. writhing. Okay, I've got it. I've you got, got it. it? I've got it. What do you got? This Now, this is something in order to make the whole thing, the whole erotic thing kind of sort of twist it. Mm-hmm. Clevis is her half-brother from the same king. He also has the blood. <laughs> Ba-bam! <laughs> uh-huh. Ba-bam! Which immediately goes back and recasts all of their encounters up until that right. point completely mm-hmm. different light, especially since he knew the whole time. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He now all of a sudden he has a third dimension. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly. like, he's the phallic partner, you know. Yeah. Whereas I was thinking, you know, oh Mathic faked his own death yeah. and he's the one who's actually, you know, whatever got right. this obsession with her and so that's where it all comes from but no 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 I, I like this well and Matt Mathic was on to Clevis and went to confront him and what uh, Drella saw was a, a fight between Mathic and one of Clevis's henchmen uh, and the henchman fell off the edge while Clevis fled away and 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 this might be too much and Drella assumed it was <laughs> Mathic and Mathic's using the guise of death to move freely through the underworld and he can have him come back now that might be too much. Oh. I no, I think that's too much because See, I don't think Mathis... anything's too much for this story. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It's already want... set up such a rich environment that you know. Yeah, no, just keep setting up the dominoes <laughs> until you can't set up anymore, and then start knocking them. Reveal, down. double reveal, oh. triple reveal. Yes. I'm just writing stuff down. <laughs> okay. Writing stuff down. This, this the thing here. though is that you, you didn't you didn't come in with a, a simple you know, basic idea, you know, this is oh. something that's got all these rich ins and outs. It's got this total, totally. this tapestry kind of going on. And that's what's going to, you're, if you're going to suck the reader in with so many different things, then, you know, it's sort of, you want to deliver on a lot of different levels. And yeah, there's, there's, yep. there's no reason. It's so meaty already. There's no reason not yeah. to just keep making it meatier. Brian, what do you yeah. think, bud? Seriously. Dark elves are sexy. <laughs> yeah. That's all I have to say. I want to see the movie of this already. <laughs> now, Nobilis, uh, in, in D&D dark elf culture, uh, males are the subordinate race, right? Or species, I'm, uh, I'm, gender. I am, I am, I am uh, co-opting that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was, I was going to say it would be, you know, having Clevis want the sword to destroy uh, uh, the dark elf magic could be this whole bid for male dominance that, you know, then mm-hmm. would inspire Drella to, to uh, do, him, do him down, do him bad, because uh, he's, he's trying to con- con- corrupt things. Sure. Well, that's if she, I mean, that's if she bought into the whole, I mean, she doesn't buy into the dark elf culture in the first place. So, right. I mean, if he wants, if he wants to bring down the dark elf culture, she'd be like, sure, go for it. Here's the sword. Go, go do okay, it. So, right. you know. Whereas if all he wants to do is preserve dark elf culture, but put the men on top instead. Yeah, then, that would well, be something. That would be something. double bad. You know, yeah, exactly. If, if what she believes having, you know, 
grown up and moved to the big city and, and liberalized with technology you know, <laughs> and whatnot like yeah. that. She believes in equality. She's got a motorcycle. Know, and, Come on. <laughs> right. And, and he doesn't believe in equality. You know, if, if what he's trying to do is, in fact, you know, flip things over so that, you know, he's the last one that has any magic and he's going to put men on top in the, you know, in, in dark elf life, you know, which is, which is, which is, which works perfectly with the whole thing about Vorish being the, you know, the villainous, whatever, but she's sort of like a red herring, you know, in a yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Um, he could even be trying to convince her or trying to, to get her on his side because of her, you know, equality and, and, and maybe she's not buying into the fact that it should even be matriarchal, but just very, very equal. And so he plays into that side of her without letting her know that he wants to go completely the other direction with it. Yeah. Mm. Well, and it sounds like Drella is one of those people that hates chains and hates obligations and throughout yeah. this whole no, story everybody's trying to lay obligations on her you know she's obligated yes. to find mathic's killer she's obligated by her ties to the queen to come in she's obligated obligated and then mm -hmm. you know clevis throughout the whole thing is going no you're free come we can be equals blah 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 and then the final thing is the final obligation oh you bastard i will cut out your heart it just it, it <laughs> accelerates it that much higher yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I'm, Very yeah, cool. I'm right there with you, <laughs> <laughs> guys. I'm looking at the time, and I'm seeing we're starting to wind towards the end a little bit. So I'm going to ask everyone to take one last turn around the table and uh, uh, give Nobilis uh, some some last thoughts, some things to ponder, some parting advice as we send him off to write this awesome story. Cecilia, some some part some final thoughts for Nobilis. Trust yourself. You know, yeah, seriously, you, you, you know you've got it down pat to set up dominoes. It's the knocking them down that you have to trust yourself and just keep, just keep writing. Yeah. I, I think your subconscious does yeah. know exactly what you're trying to do here. And if you just keep writing, it will all work itself out. Just, but, you know, don't sell yourself short. You've just got to kind of keep going. And, you know, and check in with your beta readers if, you know, if they feel like there's a, you've got a lot of threads going on here. If you have loose ones in the end, they'll tell you, you know, like, oh, but what about this? And what about that? And, you know, yeah, you've, you will come up with a way to weave them all in at the end. Um, but, yeah, give yourself time, too. Don't be like, well, it sh I need to cram it into five episodes of something, something, you know, whatever. You know, no, mm -hmm. you know, give yourself time. This is an epic You've got a lot to chew on here. Give yourself mm -hmm. as much room as you need. It's the digital age. You're not stuck with 80,000 words anymore, you know. <laughs> take whatever it takes yeah. and don't give up. T take a page of, from the Guitar Chronicles. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> 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 or, or 20 pages or, you know, 10,000, however many there are. <laughs> Brian, what about you, sir? Oh, man. Um, well, I, I think that if you do go with the idea of, of Clevis really kind of being the true antagonist in the end, um, then that leaves it open for Dvorish to really be the the dark mentor character that we we see as the antagonist through a lot of it, you know. And then and then by the end, it's it's almost like Dvorish is kind of bringing out a side of of uh, Drella that she needs in order to to quote unquote defeat um, whoever the true antagonist really turns out to be. Um, whether that's for good or for bad. But I think you have so much to work with here that you could go in any direction that, that we've thrown at you and be totally successful with it. So, um, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the movie. Yeah, yep, <laughs> definitely. 
A um, uh, couple things that occur to me uh, for final thoughts, Nobilis. One, uh, the relationship between Clevis and Borish is going to be an interesting one and one that I think warrants uh, consideration. Brian brought up the, the, you know, the dark master, in which case Clevis uh, would kill her uh, and make in his final bid for power, she could also be enslaved to him. Uh, it could be that he came up with the, the addicting uh, gas. aphrodisiac gas and got Vorish hooked discreetly without her knowledge uh, and has been pleasuring her and, and brought her into his fold that way. There, there's lots of ways to do it. But that relationship, that sick, twisted relationship, I think would be very interesting. And I could even see a scene where uh, Vorish, a sex scene between Vorish and Clevis where we don't know who Clevis is. Uh, uh, and so there's this mysterious character that Vorish is, is betting, blah, blah, blah. There could be some clues there. Who knows? Um, the other thing that I would point out is you've got some very, very strong threads that have evolved. I don't know if they were already there or, and we just dug them up or what, but there's, there's the, you know, what is it to be a dark elf? Uh, what is it to be Drella? Uh, uh, Drella's heritage on her father's side and the sword, uh, uh, because that sword, if it's going to figure prominently, needs to have weight and substance. It needs to have authenticity uh, uh, and not something that gets pulled out at the end, oh, by the way. Uh, so maybe an exploration of Drella's human side through her father uh, uh, and the importance of the sword in his reign uh, could help lend some of that substance to it. Uh, uh, just exploring all of those threads and then weaving each one into each chapter to make sure that nobody gets short shrift. And I was so dreading saying that word without teeth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> short shrift. Uh, uh, as you well go. Done. Thank you. Thank you. I've been practicing. Um, but uh, uh, weaving those threads so that there's this wonderful layer so that everybody can go back into the story and say, oh yeah, I remember that. And I remember that and bing, bing, bing. Because I can see just as fast fabulous usual suspects reveal at the end that's going to be so delicious um but this this fabulous just awesome um yeah. now nobilis here's the deal um when you write this and i know you will um <laughs> once this bad boy is out there whether it's an audiobook or an ebook or snapped up into uh, uh, an anthology or whatever form we will have you back sir and we will have a knighting ceremony unlike any other <laughs> Uh, there will be wine and togas and debauchery, uh, uh, and we will knight you and make you a knight of the round table, sir. That is the carrot. Well, I will not make any promises because I've got lots and lots of works in progress that just kind of sat there eventually, but I'll tell you one thing. The, the spending this time with you guys has made it a whole lot more likely that this will get written. <laughs> awesome. That is probably the highest praise Excellent. we could receive. Thank you, Nobilis. That's right. And thank you for bringing up a story, man. I know you, you're, you're a very aggressive seeker of experience and knowledge, uh, so I know it wasn't a, a real hardship to put it up here, but we do appreciate it. It was a great story, man. You are welcome. And Cecilia, this has been, yeah, I, I, words fail me? No, that's not possible. Um, but uh, that, does, that just fucking doesn't happen. Even without teeth. Even without teeth, words don't fail me. Uh, uh, you, you, you infused this conversation with so much insight and clarity that uh, I think a lot of the ideas that, that spawned came from those leading questions and some of the directions you went down. And we, we deeply appreciate you being willing to play in our sandbox for a while. This has been a lot of fun. 
Absolutely. It has yeah. been great fun. Excellent. Huge fun. <laughs> we aspire to that. That is our goal. Huge fun here at the round table. <laughs> ah, awesome. Brian, closing thoughts, man? Um, yeah, well, just to kind of echo what you said, um, you know, for, for Cecilia, it's been a, a definite pleasure. And um, I'm probably going to have to just edit a few things out of this because I have to use this in my creative writing class because <laughs> just so many things were brought up that that really... Um, they need to hear, you know, it's just super insightful. And so I, we, we definitely appreciate you coming on. And, um, and Nobilis, um, <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say other than write the damn thing so I can see the movie. <laughs> That's all I have. I, I'm, I'm picturing everything in my head already. And um, yeah, it's fabulous. So, yep. so get to it. Yep. Well, you, now, yep. now I will say that the first three stories are on my podcast. Oh, and, and what <laughs> is... Yeah, I'm downloading them tonight. I've already written <laughs> and, and what is the URL to that? One more time, Master Reed. The, 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 the URL for the podcast is nobilis.libsyn.com. And if you scroll down on the right, there should be a link that says Freespire that will pick up the three stories that are part of Freespire. Outstanding. Awesome. Outstanding. I will, I will endeavor to make sure that gets in the liner notes, too. In fact, Aspire Hell, I'll make it happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> no aspiring. Right, no aspiring. Do we do it or we do, do or do not. There is no try. See, I kind of sound like Yoda with no teeth, really, when you get yeah. right down to it. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, dear friends, uh, as long as we're spreading gratitude around, always, always thank you uh, for hitting that play button and joining us, whether, whether it was immediately as the episode dropped or years into the future when the Dark Elf Empire has taken over and you're all slaves. Uh, thank you for, for tuning in. Um, if <laughs> I hope you guys had a, as much fun as we did uh, with this and got some true literary gold. Uh, if you're feeling good, if you're feeling in that writerly mood, you know, write a review. What a great way to distill the ideas down into their summaries uh, out at iTunes or, or leave a comment up on the post. Uh, so many of you, and we're so grateful for this, have continued the discussion, sharing your ideas and insights uh, on the comment thread of each post. And it's been inspiring. It has been fabulous. Uh, uh, so please feel free to do that. Uh, you can always drop us a line uh, and, and let us know how we're doing at the table at roundtablepodcast.com. And you know what? We're all sitting here spent and, and sweating, and I'm going to light up a cigarette <laughs> here. Uh, uh, but just a few days from now, dear friends, this whole thing starts all over again. Uh, more guest hosts, more guest writers, more fabulous stories, more literary gold strewn about like beads at Mardi Gras. Uh, so we, <laughs> we do hope that you will rejoin us back then. Until then... Uh, even though it's just a couple of days away, Brian, any any suggestions on what they should be doing? Go write. Yes, absolutely. By all means, because you, you do. You get better when you write. Just write the darn That's story. Right. Uh, uh, and as I always say, you find what you're looking for. Uh, so look for awesome. Look for blue label, top shelf goodness. And I promise you, my friends, you will find it. Uh, until next time, for Brian, Cecilia, Nobilis, and myself, thank you so much. Stay cool, stay frosty, stay awesome. We will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 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 This episode is copyrighted 2012 by the Roundtable Podcast and is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. That means don't sell it, but you can share it all you like. And you can even use pieces of it in your own derivative work 
as long as you attribute us as the source and release the work under the same licensing terms. Theme music composed and performed by the talented Hepcats of Brotown, Gary Gold, David LaBroyere, Billy Nobel, and Matt O'Donnell. If you'd like to be a guest writer or guest host, or learn more about the Roundtable Podcast, please visit our website at www.roundtablepodcast.com or visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash roundtablepodcast. Our Twitter tag is at writerspodcast or just send us an email at thetable at roundtablepodcast.com. Thanks for listening.